welcome to the Truth in My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Welcome to another episode of the Truth in My Days Apologetics podcast with John Torse. Today, we'll be talking about Jesus and the importance of the Bible. Truth in My Days puts a great deal of effort into defending the Bible. That is, its historical reliability and its inerrancy. Why do you do that? Having a right view and understanding of the Bible is absolutely crucial to the Christian life. Why do you say that? I mean, I've heard Christians say, just give me Jesus. Our faith is about a person, not a book. Some go so far as to say that such attention paid to the Bible is actually worshipping the book. They call it bibliolatry. I don't think that view is sustainable. It actually draws a dichotomy between Jesus and Scripture that Jesus himself didn't draw. What do you mean by that? Well, those who would accuse us of bibliolatry seem to see this as a zero-sum game. What we mean by that is the more attention we pay to Scripture, the less we're paying to Jesus. Uh, But Jesus didn't see it that way at all. John, can you elaborate on that to just explain a little bit what that means? Well, Jesus himself kept drawing attention to Scripture throughout his entire ministry. All along, he treated it as the Word of God. He treated it as authoritative. Uh, He treated it as infallible. Uh, Consider, for example, uh, early in his ministry when he underwent the temptation in the wilderness uh, where he was tempted by Satan. Remember in Matthew 4.4, he responded to Satan's first temptation saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And when Satan again tried to tempt him, Jesus said, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. So he always responded with Scripture, and he said that man lives by every word of God in the Scripture. Uh, So many times throughout Scripture, he says, Scripture must be fulfilled. His expectation is that if Scripture says it, it has to happen. And then again and again, uh, he answers with Scripture to people who challenge him. Uh, For example, the religious leaders who challenged him in John chapter 5, he said to them, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me, in John 5, 39. Now notice he said, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And he didn't say, No, 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 don't pay attention to scriptures, not important, I'm right here. He endorsed their search in scripture, pointing out that in fact the scriptures are meant to point to Jesus. Then in Matthew 22, when he's challenged by the Sadducees who don't believe there's a resurrection, uh, he said to them, you are mistaken not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God, Matthew 22:29. So in Jesus' uh, view, to make mistakes about the things of God, start with you not knowing the scriptures. And then in uh, John 10:35, he says, scripture cannot be broken, which certainly makes it look like he believes in inerrancy. But perhaps the best illustration of Jesus' view of Scripture comes after his resurrection. He rises from the dead, and he appears to these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They don't recognize him as he walks with them and he talks with them. And finally, in Luke 24, he says, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And then when he appears to his disciples, you remember in Luke 24, he appears to his disciples, and at first they don't even believe. They, they, it's too good to be true. They don't believe he's come back. And he has to show them, he says, come here and, and you know, put your hand into the, the holes in my hands and look at the, the wound in my side. Uh, don't be unbelieving. Believe it. And they're still vacillating and finally asks for some food and he eats some food and finally uh, they believe. He says the spirit does not have flesh and bone as you see that I have. 
So finally, they believe he's there with them. The risen Jesus is present in person with his disciples. You would think that if there's ever a time when you don't need scripture, it would be then when the risen Jesus is right there with you. And what does Jesus say? I don't know. What does he say? says, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures, Luke 24, 44 to 45. So certainly, if Jesus saw a dichotomy between himself and scripture, that you should not be paying so much attention to scripture, this would have been the time. And yet he went even here to scripture. That's that's true. Yeah, that, that, that really makes sense. But I still have a question because some people, you know, they still might say, hey, I know the gospel. I'm a sinner. Jesus died for me and I believe it and I put my faith in him. So isn't that enough? What do you think about that? Well, it depends. Enough for what? Is knowing that enough to be saved? Is it enough to know the triune God, Jesus, who is fully God, fully man, belief that he rose from the dead bodily? I believe in salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. If you believe all that, you don't worship other gods. Yes, that is enough to be saved. No question about it. Uh, But the thing is, to say that because we know and believe these things, we don't need the Bible, to say you don't need the Bible is terribly inconsistent and, frankly, dangerous. Dangerous? How so? Well, you believe these things, but how do you even know them? You know them from the Bible. You can know there's a God without the Bible. In fact, you have to know it, as we, we saw the other, in the other program. Uh, but the Trinity, that God is triune, can you know that without the Bible? Jesus Christ, God the Son, that he's fully God and fully man, the way of salvation, all of these things that you say you know, they all come from the Bible. And if you didn't get it from there personally, the person who told you about them got it from there. But, okay, but you do already know these things. So then why keep worrying about the Bible? I wouldn't say worry about it. I would say uh, study it. And the reason is, it's a rather long book that God gave us. Now, he could have given us just this one-page statement of faith covering those things uh, that you know, the things you need to know to be saved. But he didn't. He gave us an entire Bible. And that suggests that there is in it a lot more that we should know. Consider, for example, 2 Timothy three sixteen to 17. We read, All Scripture is God-breathed, And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what this tells you is that all scripture, all of it comes from God, and it is useful for these purposes. And it is through scripture that you become complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work, not just some of it. So the Bible doesn't just tell you how to be saved. It tells you how to live and what to do to please God. Thank you. That really makes sense. Uh, the second Peter in Second Peter two two we read, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So according to the Bible, this is the way you grow. You baby Christian and you convert, you grow by studying scripture. And I think we all know what happens to a newborn baby who doesn't get milk. It does not turn out well. No. Uh, Ephesians four thirteen to 14, uh, the goal of, of the Christian life. We are in the, the church. We are to come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men 
in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So you study the Bible to know exactly the truth about the things of God and how to live, because there are always people out there who will try to feed you a false gospel, uh, feed you false claims about how we are to live. And the only way you can become mature, the only way you can avoid being tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of these false teachings, is to know Scripture. There's more. Hosea 4, 6 says, uh, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And that's very oh. serious. Where are you going to get the knowledge if not from Scripture? I, I, I don't know. No, yeah. no place, really. You might have had Mormon missionaries come to your door, a pair of them showing up trying to convince you. I, I've read that in the third world. They don't really do that. What they do is they join Christian churches and then subvert them from inside. And they're able to lead entire churches away because they just don't know scripture and so they're taken by these uh trickery of men and these these false uh deceitful doctrines that the mormons present to them oh that's awful it is uh second timothy two fifteen uh, urges us personally be diligent to present yourself approved to god a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then uh, as well, we can look at Second Peter 1, 5, where we're told, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge. So I would say then, it is crucial. It is crucial to Christian health. It is crucial to the health of the church and to the individual Christian to have a proper view of the Bible. And that proper view is the same view that Jesus himself had uh, that it is fully authoritative it is inerrant it is what decides between truth and falsehood it is in fact the word of god uh, himself and unfortunately in the church these days we're getting away from that this idea of the bible being fully authoritative and inerrant is really being downplayed and, and neglected uh, and that can't be the church will not survive properly if that continues and that then is why we at Truth In My Days pay such attention on the Bible and promoting its authority and its inerrancy. Okay, uh, but John, why do you think that is? I mean, why do you think that the authority, the inerrancy of the scripture is kind of being eroded? Well, it's actually been under attack for a long time now. I would say centuries, actually. Uh, there are forces and people who simply want God out of society. They want man to be the measure of all things. And they know that as long as people believe the Bible, that's not going to happen. So really, since the Enlightenment, the Bible has come under increasing attacks. And it's come in a variety of ways. Uh, one of them is a field called historical criticism, which we'll look into in detail in a future program. Program. But what it is, in theory, sounds nice. It's the study of uh, questions about who wrote the gospel books, when and how. But what's being done is to presuppose that Jesus was not divine, presuppose that the supernatural is impossible, presuppose that miracles didn't happen, Jesus didn't rise from the dead, and try to explain the origins of the gospel books and the New Testament uh, letters and so on with the presupposition that nothing supernatural is true. So it's really a, an attempt to try to undermine the supernatural character of the Bible. Uh, the effect of Darwinism has been very powerful as well. Claims that science has proven that the biblical account of origins is not true. And there are good ministries uh, trying to respond to that issue, but it's one that's had quite a devastating effect on the authority of the Bible. And a third one, which again, we'll look into in more detail on future programs, textual criticism, uh, which is essentially rewriting 
the text of the Bible to insert errors. And while people can stand against historical criticism and say Christians will say that we don't believe these claims, uh, they can reject Darwinism. Once you've actually put errors into the biblical text itself, then it's game over. Then you can't really believe it's inerrant anymore. And if you don't believe it's inerrant, you can't really believe it's authoritative either. And, and these three elements have been very, very influential for a very long time, and they are bearing their ill fruits now. Thank you, John. That really helps me understand, you know, why it's important to keep studying, to keep learning, to grow, uh, to be knowledgeable. Because you're right, I, I, a lot of people do, don't really pay too much attention to that sort of thing. Um, so thank you, and I hope you will join us next time. Happy to be back. Thank you, Kara. You're welcome. If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. <laughs> this helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Truth in My Days podcast with John Torse. We would love to hear from you. Please feel free to share any questions or comments you may have. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, and YouTube. Simply search Truth In My Days as one word. Again, Truth In My Days as one word, no spaces in between. And you can connect with us. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. Thank you. Thank you.